For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back. It's the Believe Patriots podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Brady Farkas, Aaron Wells with you. It is Super Bowl week. We are uh, getting ready for Tom Brady against Patrick Mahomes. I don't want to see. I, I still don't know who I'm rooting for as we tape this on Thursday. I think I'm rooting for the Chiefs, though. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by the good people at Bet Online. You want to get your Super Bowl wagers in, prop bets, game bets, in-game betting. Do it safely, but hit it often, okay? Overs, unders, coaching, what color the Gatorade's going to be. doesn't matter. They got it all. BetOnline.ag. Aaron, to the podcast. What you're about to hear is a presentation of the Believe in Patriots podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. All the news, opinions, and insights on your six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Now, it's your host, me, Brady Farkas. All right, everybody, what's up? It is the Believe in Patriots podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We are getting ready for Super Bowl 55. Super Bowl 55, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WDEV Radio Brady. Aaron is here. What's up, man? Uh, not much. Doing good. How about you? Uh, well, we're both should be doing bad because we screwed up last week. So uh, here's what <laughs> happened last week. Last week, we did not put out a podcast. The reason being is that we taped a podcast. We did a podcast, and then Aaron forgot to do the social media highlights, and I forgot to post the podcast. So I wanted to yell at him until I realized that I screwed up everything also, and the podcast wasn't even available. So we actually did a podcast. It's ne You're never going to hear it. It was brilliant, though. And we spent a lot of time talking about Matthew Stafford and the Patriots, and it all went for nothing because Matthew Stafford – is now playing with the Rams. I think I lucked out in all of this because uh, I don't think I was very good. And now no, now we'll never know what people think <laughs> of it. Um, but, yeah, it's sort of all moot now because a lot of it was about Stafford and the the big Schefter bomb the other day that he's now going to the Rams for a huge haul. It's so it's, crazy. So the Patriots miss out on Stafford. So it's Jared Goff, two future firsts, and a third-round pick this year. Going to uh, going to Detroit, Stafford goes back to the Rams. I just got to say that seems like an absurd price to pay for me. And I like Stafford, um, but I also like Goff. I think everybody hates Goff, but I don't. And we're gonna have Doc Holliday, former Rams running back, on here in a little while, who uh, does the Believe in Rams podcast with former Rams great Isaac Bruce. So we're gonna have him on. I don't hate Jared Goff. So to get a starting quarterback. Two future firsts and a third this year. I think Detroit did really well here. Yeah, I think Goff is a very average starting quarterback, but I don't think he's a bad starting quarterback. Like, I don't think he's so bad you have to also send that much draft capital. It seems a little bit like impatience on the, parts, on the part of the Rams organization trying to win right now and get that contract off their back and in doing so basically giving up way too much in draft capital. I mean, I think the so the first round pick and the third that was for Stafford. The other first was really to get rid of Goff's contract. Yeah. So I can understand some of the manipulation there. 
it remains to be seen if Goff can win without McVay. I think that is the big question. But overall, I like Goff. From what we've seen of him, he's barely past 25 years old. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's 15 games over 500 as a starter. He's beaten Russell Wilson and Drew Brees in the playoffs in their own building. I understand McVay's been great. I understand they've had Gurley at various points. They've had a great defense at various points. So he's been in a good, advantageous situation. But you can only play with what you got. And with what he's had, I think he's played well. My only question with him is the whole audible stuff we heard a couple of years ago that people slammed him for, that basically McVay was coming in at the last second he's allowed to and making audibles for Goff. Is that just McVay wanting control, or is that Goff can't read defenses pre-snap? If he goes in at, in Detroit and he's able to pick up defensive reads and get into the looks that he needs to get into, then I think that's the last question mark, and he'll be a serviceable quarterback. Plus, they'll have those picks. So Detroit could make out really well, depending on where Goff is actually at. But it's so hard to tell from the outside. You know, I wouldn't be shocked, right, if he goes to Detroit and they're not very good. And I wouldn't be shocked if he's average. But And everyone will crush and say he stinks. But if Jared Goff needs a perfect situation, guess what? There's a lot of quarterbacks that need a perfect situation. Yep. Like, the amount of quarterbacks that, that can overcome total dysfunction is very, very limited. Aaron Rodgers has done it. Russell Wilson has done it. And even Russell Wilson has good help. And Tom Brady has done it at points in his career. But other than that, I mean... Kirk Cousins needs everything to go right for him. Jimmy yep. Garoppolo needs everything to go right for him. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks. Even Drew Brees at the end of his career needs everything set up nicely around him. So if Goff goes into Detroit and struggles, okay, so be it. He's like every other good but not great quarterback. But this narrative that he's awful, I don't buy that. And what, well, what's interesting is uh, Deshaun Watson has also shown another thing, which is you can be great statistically with nothing around you and still not be good enough to drag your team to the playoffs. Yes. So as an organization, you can't just go get a quarterback and assume that's going to fix everything because Tom Brady did it or because Russell Wilson is capable of it. There are Those quarterbacks come once in a generation. So from the Patriots' standpoint – I'm happy they were never really in these conversations then. If it was going to take at least a first and a third to get a seat at the table for Matthew Stafford, I'm out on that. I would have traded number 15 straight up. I would have. They offered reportedly a second-round pick and a player. I would have done that also. I am not interested in getting anywhere near what the, uh, the, uh, the, the Rams gave up to bring Stafford into England. He's 33 years old. He's never won a playoff game. And he's only got two guaranteed years left on his contract. I don't think the Patriots are one Matthew Stafford away from winning the Super Bowl, so I'm glad they never approached that price. Yeah, and I don't think that would have been the going rate unless the player's salary was in the $25, $27 million a year range, like Goff's is in terms of uh, cap hit. But, I mean, still, it, it's uh, the thing that scares me is I think that now sets the market very high for the other quarterbacks who are potentially available via trade. So I think I think this pretty much seals that the Pats are either going free agency or draft in terms of their next quarterback. So you think they're out on Deshaun Watson? The 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 number on Watson I saw was reportedly I'm trying to find it now. I think it was three first, two seconds, and two defensive starters is what the Texans want. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot. That is any 
you're going to get a quarterback, but you're going to give up your future. And in two years when you haven't been able to draft him anybody to work with, Deshaun Watson's going to be unhappy again. So uh, that's, a, that's a tough pill to swallow for any organization looking to go get him. You know, so you mentioned the draft or free agency. I'm still a fan of getting a quarterback in the draft. Um, free agency, we hear the names. Ryan Fitzpatrick, again, uh, same names we've talked about. Maybe even bringing Cam back. Um, you know, I, I think at this point the best thing for this team is draft a quarterback, trade up, bite the bullet if you have to, try to get from 15 to into the top 10, trade up a few spots to do so. And then go get that bridge quarterback. And, and at this point, I don't really care who that bridge quarterback is. I think Fitzpatrick is better. I think Cam knows the system. and I like Cam, so I'd be okay if they brought him back to at least compete for the job for a while early on. But I do think that you're right. I think that's probably their best bet. Yeah, I like the idea of Fitzpatrick a lot. I also think Cam's competitive spirit and his locker room presence and his athleticism are all things that make him an enticing option as a Band-Aid. Obviously, we've seen that he's probably not the future for a team. There's things in his game that have regressed instead of progressing. Um, but if we go draft a guy and we need a bridge quarterback, Cam's a good option for that. And I think Fitzpatrick is too. You know, Stafford reportedly said he didn't want to play for the Patriots. Um, do you think that that says more about Stafford or about the Patriots? Are they that undesirable? I think it says a lot actually about your point from a while back that coaches who try to do what Bill Belichick does in other places without the resume are not well-liked by players. I think Stafford knew either he hated playing for Patricia so much he didn't want to go to the system Patricia came from, or he simply was afraid that if he went to New England, he'd end up around Patricia again. You know, I think it says more about Belichick, but not in the way that I think people initially react to that comment. I don't. I think Matthew Stafford could play for Bill Belichick. We saw Cam play for Bill Belichick, who we didn't think could play for Belichick, and be great with him. So I think Stafford has the toughness to play under Belichick. That's not the issue. I think Stafford wants to go to an offensive-minded coach, and I think he sees McVay. Yeah, the team is better, but he sees McVay as somebody who can get the most out of him. And with the Patriots, Belichick's not an offensive coach. And McDaniels, you never know if he's going to be there because he's, you know, he wants to be a head coach. So for what Stafford can get out of himself, I think he saw the Patriots as a turnoff there. Yeah, so there's a couple of things with the Rams. First of all, because they have the, the talent on defense, they're still a defensive team in terms of being able to get you the ball back. But their coach is an offensive savant. So you can look at that situation and say, hey, if he could call audibles for the last guy, he can at least get me a playbook that I'm going to feel comfortable with. And that's obviously something that as a quarterback is a big deal is getting into a system that's going to, to uh, be, it's going to work well with you. And then I do, I don't know as a whole lot of guys necessarily want to jump into a Patriots way kind of system late in their career, if, unless they have to, because it's strenuous. You know, a couple things, one on the Rams, you talk about their defense being good. Their defense was great this year. Um, the thing that analytics has taught me about football is that defensive regression is going to happen. Mm -hmm. The best defense in the league one year will not be the best defense in the league the next year. And that's just how it's going to be. So if you're saying that the Rams are Super Bowl favorites because they have a great defense, that's the wrong way to approach this. The, no, the I'm, I'm simply saying that they're not going to be a team that 
constantly allows eight or nine minute drives and keeps you sitting on the bench all the time. Well, look, the Patriots last year had the number one defense in the NFL. Patriots mm-hmm. had forced, uh, they had the best turnover ratio in the NFL. Turnovers are, you know, completely different year to year. The schedule changes year to year. The Rams played the AFC East this year. Think about that. So the, the Rams played both the NFC East and the AFC East. So the Rams saw the awful Giants. The Rams <laughs> saw uh, awful Washington when they were awful. They saw Dallas who was not very good. And then they saw an awful Philly team. And then they saw the Patriots who were bad. And they saw Miami who was bad at the time that they played them. And I believe Miami whitewashed them. Um, Then they saw, you know, we saw the Jets. The Rams actually lost to the Jets. But, like, this great Rams defense had eight games against the NFC East and the AFC East. And next year they're going to play, I believe, the NFC South and – the AFC South, we were seeing some better teams. Yeah, I'm not going. To, I'm not going to argue that they're a better defense than Bill Belichick. Simply, like Bill Belichick's scheme has always been very good defensively in a way where he doesn't even necessarily have to have a ton of talent, but he does have a decent amount of talent on the roster. I'm just saying, like, you're going to a team that's at least somewhat well rounded, and they have the offensive mind there. Yeah, I think too with Stafford in New England. I think I've seen a lot of people say that, oh, why would Stafford want to go to a rebuild? Here's the thing. If they got Stafford, I don't think they're a rebuild. If they got Stafford, I don't think they're a Super Bowl team, but I also think that they're a team that could easily compete for a playoff berth because if you get Stafford, you have a mindset like, okay, we're going after this thing. So they'd have $40 million in cap space. They'd have Stafford. They'd have the ability to go and attract the top-end wide receiver on the free agent market. Those guys that opted out last year come back and at least provide stability to the defense. I think the Patriots with Stafford are a team that is trying to win. I don't think they win the Super Bowl, but they're a team that could go to the playoffs. So I, I think if Stafford comes came here, it's not a total – he's not walking into 4-12. and 12. No, yeah. So obviously getting a quarterback this early gives you a huge advantage when free agency opens because you have a quarterback plan in place – Receivers will see that. They'll feel comfortable that they're going to get their 70, 80 touches a season. That's huge. Um, And obviously he elevates the offense a ton in terms of what they're able to do in the passing game, which is something that they were limited in last year. And you have the the hope that Hightower and some of those other guys come back and don't sit out this season. And that helps the defensive end too. So if we get the right quarterback, we could be looking up for – this next season it's just who's that quarterback now well that quarterback is not Matthew Stafford Matthew Stafford going to the Rams I want to bring on our guest former Rams running back the host of the Believe in Rams podcast his name is Doc Holliday he does his show with former Rams great Isaac Bruce so let's get to Doc Welcome back. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Radio Row at Home, bringing you the biggest and best names as we get ready for Super Bowl 55. And now I want to bring on a guy that we're very excited to talk to, Doc Holliday, former NFL running back, played with the St. Louis Rams. He's a host of the Believe in Rams podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, host there with uh, wide receiver Isaac Bruce, formerly of the Rams, who's pretty darn good in his own right. So, Doc, thanks for being with us, man. How are you? No problem, man. I'm great, man. How you doing? Well, we're we're doing well, not as well as you, considering the Rams have got Matthew Stafford. What do you make of that big blockbuster? 
Hey, man, it had to be done, man. Jerry Goff, he was done in L.A. He had lost all his confidence, and Rams fans had lost confidence in him. And, you know, the players and people in the building, a lot of people in the building had lost confidence in him. So it was time for him to move on, man. So to get somebody like Matthew Stafford, it's just huge, man. He's the talent. He's just been playing on some sorry teams. So it's exciting, man. I'm excited for the Rams to get a talent like Matthew Stafford. You know, let me ask you, though, about Goff, and let me push back. Now, I'm actually a Seahawks fan by nature, sorry to report. So I've seen Goff play I've seen Goff play really well against the Seahawks. I've seen him beat Russell Wilson and Drew Brees in their own buildings in the playoffs, and he's 15 games over 500 in his career. So why does everybody hate Goff? Because I don't hate Goff. Well, it's not that we don't hate him. We hate his, you know, his inconsistency, man. I mean, when you're an NFL quarterback, I mean, you know, we went to the Super Bowl. He took us to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but it's just the inconsistency. I mean, you just really can't have that at that position in the NFL, and you really can't have it from any position in the NFL, but especially at the quarterback position. And it's really not even the inconsistency. It's his body language. It's, it's the way he used to carry himself. He, he used to always look defeated. Hmm. Even if he had a, a nice game or a nice throw, he never looked excited. I mean, he was always hunched over, you know, and I'm trying not trying to dog him because he's done now, but that's the problem, man. He just, you know, it's this inconsistency. Up one week, down two, three weeks. Up another week, down two, three weeks. And, you know, uh, that Super Bowl two years ago, uh, it's not that long ago, but it's really forever ago when, you know, when you're a Rams fan. So uh, I don't think anybody hated him. We don't hate him. You know, Rams fans and the Rams appreciate what he's done for the organization. It's just the fact of inconsistency, and he had lost – his confidence, and he had lost the confidence of the team. So when that happens, you got to go, man. You know, we cover the Patriots here. We're a Patriots affiliate. Um, so we saw the Rams this year, that Thursday night game where the Rams just dominated the Pats. And we had a lot of talk about this leading up to the game. How good is McVay? Because I think McVay is, is one of the special coaches in the league. How good can Stafford be with McVay? I mean, he could be extremely good. I mean, Stafford can make McVay, you know, go from being a good coach to a great coach. And, you know, great players make great coaches. So it's just the fact that he finally has a, a, a legitimate talent at that quarterback position, and he's not really handicapped on the plays he can call. See, Matthew Stafford can go back there. He can go five, six-yard drop and, and let it go. Yeah, Goff couldn't do that. Well, he could do that, but he'd probably get picked off <laughs> or be incomplete. So, they had to, he kind of, he had to structure his offense around uh, Jerry Goff's limitations, and we know Jerry Goff just wasn't that type of quarterback to just drop back there deep and let and let it go because not only because of the arm strength, but it's because you know uh, just his consistent play and his accuracy. But you get somebody like Matthew Stafford, you still can run all the play actions and the bootlegs with Matthew Stafford because he's probably more mobile than Jerry Goff, but. As I said, you also can get Jer- uh, uh, Matthew Stafford to go back there in the gun or, or take a five- or six-yard drop, man, and let it let it loose, which is something that Jerry Goff just couldn't do. You know, Stafford apparently said he wanted to go anywhere but New England. Anywhere but New England. So let me ask you this. Does that say more about the Patriots and maybe playing for Bill Belichick, or does it say more about Matthew Stafford that he wasn't willing to go to a place like New England? Man, you know what? I think uh, I think he probably was looking at what you all really have on offense, you know. So, and but to to signal out and to point out, you know, uh, New England, it must be some, it might be something against the coach, man. He may not like the coach. So, to, if that's the only team he said he did not want to go to, uh, because Bill Belichick is, you know, he 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 has a great resume. You know, he's a great coach. So for Matthew Stafford to say that, it must be something against the coach that he doesn't like, man, or, or it, it can't be the, 
the culture or the organization because it's a winning, winning culture. But I think he was really trying to, you know, force them to send him to somewhere like L.A. because he understands that L.A. is really just that one quarterback piece from contending for a Super Bowl. And, you know, in New England, let's be, you know, let's be honest, man, you all need several pieces. So I can see why he would say that. Former Rams running back Doc Holliday with us, host of the Believe in Rams podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Here and he's with us on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. You know, you played for the Rams in the 90s. You played college football at Memphis in the 90s. Does the old-style grizzly football coach work today? Because that's what Belichick is. And I think he's gotten better this year with Cam Newton, but that's what he is, and he's a whole lot different from a guy like McVay. Yeah, it works if you have great players, man. You know, I, I, as much as credit I want to give Bill Belichick, but the fact of the matter, great coaches normally have great players. If you had great players, man, you can go back to a throwback style of football and you can you can win. So uh, it's just all about getting the right pieces and getting the right players on his squad. But somebody like Belichick, yeah, you know, and I think Tom Brady had a lot to do with that as well. Tom was there for a long time. He can, you know, he ran that system. A lot of that success came with, you know, Bill Belichick having Tom Brady and people can say, you know, Belichick his coaching style evolved at the same time, you know, Tom Brady joined the New England Patriots and Tom, you know, went from being good to a great quarterback. So uh I don't know if you can you know, one hundred percent tie Belichick's success to having Tom Brady, but it had a lot to do with it. So that's why I've been curious to see what is Belichick gonna do. Now how great of a coach is he really and how much success can he really have without a top-notch quarterback like Tom Brady? Because that's when you find out that coaches really are great. Again, the Rams walloped the Patriots this year on Thursday Night Football. Cam Newton was the quarterback for the Pats. I, I'm not sure that Cam Newton won't be back in New England this year. And when the Pats had Cam, all they did was run the football. They couldn't pass. Cam couldn't pass. They didn't have great receivers. They ran the ball a zillion times a game. Can you win in the NFL playing that way now, or do you think everybody needs to start playing this up-tempo, Ram-style, Chief-style football? Hey, just look at the people who've been winning this. Super Bowl. Just look at the teams that are successful. That's just what they do now. They throw the ball all over the field, man. You know, they're throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game, maybe, you know, and having a, a good defense. But I still, you know, I still think you can, you know, you can you can grind it out. It's just all about having the right player. Seriously, man. You know, I know a lot of people are playing like Kansas City, trying to play like Kansas City, but, you know, they, you don't have me to Patrick Mahomes out there. A lot of people trying to play like Aaron Rodgers, but you don't have a lot of Aaron Rodgers out there. But, hey, but kind of look at what Tampa Bay has done. Tom Brady wasn't the great Tom Brady this year. You know, he was pretty much – he was still good, but he wasn't one that's airing it out. He's throwing for 4,000 yards. They, they, they got it together. They had a nice little system. You know, they got a nice little offense. They had a nice little running game, but they got a, a, a defense that stepped it up. So that's really the formula as well. That's why it's going to be interesting to see how they match up with Kansas City on Sunday because we know Kansas City likes to get up and down the field, but Tampa Bay can grind it out if they have to. So I don't think you necessarily have to be this running gun, this shoot, uh, uh, pass the ball all over the place uh, kind of team to get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. It's just all about having the right pieces in place and looking at the pieces that you have and be like, okay, let me structure my offensive and defensive game plan off of you know the personnel I have. As a former running back, how do you feel when people say running backs don't matter? 
Man, I, I, man, I just tell, I be wanting to tell him to go to hell, man. Yeah. How about, how, how about, how about you play a game and take all the running backs out? Of so, I mean, to say that, man, you know, you can't get rid of the running back position. I mean, that's still one of the most important positions, you know, on the field because, you know, if you have a quarterback, go ahead and have a quarterback have him throw the ball 50 or 60 times and don't, don't run the ball at all. I mean, it, it's, it's not going to, you know, it, it, you're not going to be successful. And you, you need a successful running back. Tampa Bay has a successful running back. Kansas City has a couple of successful running backs. So, I mean, you know, people just say that, man, because they like to see uh, receivers catch for all these balls and, like, and they like to see the quarterbacks throw for all these yards. But, hey, man, the running back, to me, man, that's the toughest position and the best position on the football field because we are the ones that do a lot of the dirty work. So let me get you out of here on two questions. Like I said, I'm a Seahawk fan by nature. Give me some good news about this offensive coordinator we just hired from the Rams, who was the passing game coordinator for them. You got anything good to report there? Well, he has Russell Wilson, right? Yeah, he's got Russell Wilson still. DK Metcalf, right? Yeah, he's there. Okay, there you go, man. <laughs> That's all the good news you have. When you have, hey, when you have, when you have a great quarterback like Russell, man, you have receivers like that, and and you have a coordinator who comes in, you know. You got to understand, he took a lot from Summy Bay. Watching Summy Bay, you know, people can say something. Summy Bay calls them players, he's structuring that offense. I don't care who has the title. But when you have a, 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 a coach or a coordinator that comes in a situation where you already have an established Super Bowl winning quarterback, you really don't mess with that too much, man. You just pretty much let them do what they, what they want to do. Now, you try to come in and because you want to put your stamp on the offense. But when you have somebody like Russell Wilson, man, you actually go to him and say, okay, is this what's working for you? What is it that you didn't like? So let's work together. So the best thing for him is just, you know, hey, Wilson, let's work together, man. What did you like? What did you don't like? Let me let me uh, bounce some of my ideas off of you, and let's work together like that. All right, I'll get you out of here on this. It's my new favorite game. I ask every guest this. Who is the best name in your cell phone? If you had to name drop one person you've got contact info for, who is it? My dad. How about that, man? Bobby That's, Holiday. How about that? My that is dad. the that is the nicest answer we've gotten to that question. Yes, sir. There you go. You know, <laughs> I, you know because hey, I'm one of those man. I don't make a big deal. I mean, you're you're an athlete. You're a celebrity. To me, you know, you're just a regular person. So I don't make big deals about dudes, man. I curse them out. I smack them. I I ignore them. I do all of that. So, <laughs> but my dad, that's my hero, man. Wow, that is a great answer. Doc Holliday, former Rams running back. You can check him out, the Believe in Rams podcast. He and Isaac Bruce do it uh, on the Believe Podcast Network. So, Doc, man, we appreciate the time, the insight. We'll definitely have you on again sometime. All right, I want to thank Doc Holliday for coming on. You can check him out on the Believe in Rams podcast with Isaac Bruce. He's very, very happy about Stafford. Aaron says that Goff had to be Dell. He doesn't hate Goff, but Goff is not a guy that's going to elevate them. Um, so, let me. Also, let's end the show here for us. Danny Amendola has made a lot of waves this week. So Amendola went on first things first on Fox Sports 1 and said, the Patriot way is Tom Brady, and that is it. Bill Belichick or those coaches never caught a pass. They never threw a pass. They never made a tackle. It is all about Tom Brady. And then Ty Law came out and slammed Amendola and said, it ain't about anybody but us, the original defensive core of this team. We built the Patriot way. Do you do you even care who built the Patriot way? So, for one, I will say that Bill Belichick built that house. So, don't tell me that it was Tom Brady when the discipline on that team and the defensive structure on that team all came from Bill. But when you're talking about a 20-year dynasty, you needed 
all of it. I don't think any one of those pieces in terms of the Hall of Famers on defense in the early days and throughout or Tom Brady or Bill Belichick or the Kraft family being willing to commit to winning, all of it was required, I think, because that is an unprecedented run. You don't even usually see NFL dynasties last a decade. This one lasted two. That's unfathomable, really, and it's completely unprecedented. Well, I am uh, completely disinterested in who deserves more credit between Brady and Belichick. They did need each other. You won't convince me otherwise. I also think that – I think Ty Law was pretty close to right. And what I mean is I think that young – that defensive core the Patriots had when Bill Belichick got there, I think they were integral. But I think that Bill Belichick still had to get them to buy into what he was selling. So I still mm-hmm. think it's a two-way street, but those veterans being willing to buy in and set the groundwork, I think that's what started the dynasty and carried it through. Now, remember, Bill Parcells was there, 96, they go to the Super Bowl, they lose to the Packers. Bill Belichick is on that staff. So the team wins under Parcells, who's a very old-school guy. He's Belichick's mentor. So those veteran players had seen Parcells and had won with Parcells and had won with that style. They also knew Belichick. So when Belichick comes in and gets the head job, he brings some of those Parcellsian tendencies with him. He brings a track record of success, and he brings personal relationships with those players. So he's already there. He's probably easier for them to buy into. But then Ty Law, Willie McGinnis, Ted Johnson, Lawyer Malloy, uh, Teddy Bruschi, they do buy into what Belichick's selling, and they start the dynasty and the culture and the work ethic and the discipline and all that. So it's a two-way street, but I think it's much. I think Ty Law is much closer to right than Danny Amendola. I think people underestimate the importance of developing a culture that's all about not making mistakes in a league where the person who makes the most mistakes is the one who walks away a loser every time, or almost every time at least. Um, that's something I think was crucial to their success. I also think Tom Brady's talent was crucial to their success. Having Hall of Famers like Ty Law on the defense in the early days was crucial to their success. Because again, you can't do, you can't have a run like that without everything going wrong. There is a fascinating book out on the Patriots. It's called The Dynasty. It's written by Jeff Benedict. Um, Jeff is coming on. We're taping this on Thursday, February 4th. Jeff Benedict is coming on my radio show on uh, February 5th. We're going to play that interview back next week and talk about a lot of this stuff. So we'll play that interview on this show uh, next week. But uh, I'm excited to read this book. It talks a lot about the inner workings of the Patriots, especially in the early time, pre-Brady and pre-Belichick even. So I'm very, very excited to read that. Super Bowl is coming up, Aaron, in a couple of days. What a Look, are you rooting for Brady or not? Yes, I, I'm rooting for Brady, and I also I do not bet against postseason Tom Brady. I think that's always a bad bet. I see. This is so tough. I am. I I've said I'm rooting for the Chiefs all week. I'm going to stick with that, um, mainly because I just want to root against Antonio Brown. It's not even I want to root against Brady, and it's not that I I I don't want. I don't want to see Brady win without the Patriots, but I have a soft spot for for sports romanticism. And if a 43-year-old on the last legs of his career can outduel the young pup, I'll like that from a from an emotional standpoint. But I think I just want to root against Antonio Brown. 
I like Mahomes. I also want to root against Tyree Kills. Like I, I, I think I'm rooting for the Chiefs, but I'm fine if Brady wins. Yeah, that's a tough one in terms of which uh, you know jerk of a star receiver do you like less? Um, it's tough in terms of I, I. Tom Brady's the greatest to ever do it. To see him do it again at 43 would be pretty uh, romantic, as you put it. Uh, I just don't – I don't know how you win against that offense. Do you want him to retire if he wins? If he wins, do you want to see him walk away? So let's see. You beat Drew Brees, basically ended Drew Brees' career, and then you beat Aaron Rodgers and maybe ended his career in Green Bay. If you then go and topple Patrick Mahomes, I think you have to retire. I think that's, that's such a great way to go out to say, hey, I can still do it at the end. I, I did it against the best guys – to ever play against me. I think that Brady, if he wins, he has zero to accomplish. Yep. And But for me personally, at this point, I think I'd want to see him keep going and just see how far you can take it. Um, again, I like romanticism. I would have said, I would have said, you know, a long time ago, walk away when you're on top. I, I want a Gronk to walk away when he was on top after winning with the Patriots. I don't like to see legends become shells of themselves, but Brady, I feel like, is different. If he wins, I want to see him take it as far as he can and just see how far it can go because what he's been doing is pretty amazing. Well, it's funny because people will say, if you don't walk away now, we're going to see you become a shell of yourself, but we could very easily see Tom Brady still playing at 47, making all those people eat their words, and it wouldn't be that shocking for anyone who's been paying attention to his career, which is mind-blowing. And Brady said yesterday at Super Bowl Media Week that he uh, is already thinking next year will be better than this one. So he's already talking about next year. Look, the Bucs play the Patriots next year in Foxborough. I don't think Brady wants to walk away before that matchup. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I would not be surprised if he wanted to see what would happen one-on-one against his coach, his former coach. Uh I'd want to if I was him. I'd want to know. I want. I'd want to shove it down Bill Belichick's throat that he thought I was done. And as much as I love Bill, and I'm not really in that position that Tom's in. If I was, I think that's how I feel. Aaron Wells is our co-host, our producer, the guy behind the scenes and in front of the mic as well. Doc Holiday was our guest. Check him out on the Believe in Rams podcast with Isaac Bruce, former Rams running back. And uh, I'm Brady Farkas. You can follow me on Twitter at WDEV Radio Brady. Aaron. We will talk to you again next week. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and uh, we'll have everything for you on the Believe in Patriots podcast. See you later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.